To kick off this episode, I've got some exciting news to share with you. I've just forged a fantastic partnership with Student Advocate. If you've turned into our previous episode with Nick Mann, the creator and CEO of TeacherFit, you got a taste of what this incredible student advocate program is all about. Whenever I have the privilege to speak at conferences or within school districts, one topic I'm deeply passionate about is discussing trauma-informed and restorative practices. And during these presentations, I consistently highlight amazing power of daily check-ins. No matter the campus I've been on, I've seen firsthand the impact these simple but profound interactions can have on students' lives. We implemented morning check-in strategy years ago, and it provided a non-threatening channel of communication with our students each morning, which helped us gain invaluable insights into the lives of our students. During this process, we identified the individual needs and offered the right support for every situation. Now, there's one significant challenge that we saw. We lacked a uniform system. Some teachers use paper worksheets, while others turn to electronic forms. This variation in process slowed down everything and made it incredibly challenging to effectively manage and analyze the data. So here's the exciting part that comes in. I'm super thrilled to endorse Student Advocate as an outstanding tool to streamline and enhance morning check-ins. This platform empowers teachers, administrators, and counselors to connect with students on an emotional level. It enables you to not only gauge how your students are feeling, but also identify emotional patterns. Even more so, students can use it to journal their thoughts and access mindfulness strategy videos, which will foster more supportive and nurturing learning environments. And that's not even the best news yet. As a designated Aspire Lead listener, you're entitled to an exclusive 10% discount when you set up Student Advocate for your individual classrooms, schools, or districts. So just remember to use the special code ASPIRE10 during the setup process to claim your 10% discount. So let's make these morning check-ins more impactful and efficient than ever before. Join us in embracing Student Advocate, and let's create a positive, empathetic, and growth-focused educational experience for all students. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. This week's guest, Dr. Joy Karavides, is an experienced leader with over 25 years of executive level leadership. With a master's in education and a doctorate in organizational leadership, Dr. Karavides actively teaches as an adjunct professor at both the bachelor's and master's level. She currently holds the position of director of research and new programs development at Orange Lutheran High School, and she is responsible for development and oversight of the school's flexible learning options and pathways exploring innovation in education. After multiple academic publications, Dr. Karavides has recently published her first book, From Striving to Thriving. We're going to be talking about practical guides for growth in leadership and life, reflection practices, and all the wonderful ways she supports leaders in her work. Joy, thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead podcast. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. And I know that you have a brand new book from striving to thriving. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but I also want to talk about all the wonderful things that you've got going on in your world. So to kick things off, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about your educational and leadership background. Great. I'm happy to do that. I have been in leadership and in education in different worlds here for probably 
close to 25 years, maybe even a little bit more. I've been primarily in the probably high school nine through 12 focus in administration there. Although I did do a stint in higher ed for about five years before I came back to high school. I'm, I'm currently at the high school level right now and loving that. I would like to say I've been in probably... I don't know, countless numbers of administrative roles in both in education and in, and working with nonprofits. But frankly, just really would say in the last probably six, seven years is when I really kind of figured out in some ways what leadership means to me and what that looks like. And I think that's, I hope is going to be part of our conversation today. I know in our brief convo beforehand, that's kind of what we were talking about. And it, you know, we, we all try on leadership in different ways and in different roles and, I think over the over time, we get to develop what is authentic for us. Well, Joy, I think you touched on why I built the podcast was because, mm-hmm. you know, we we do have to experience certain things in leadership and that's the best way to learn is through failure. But at the same point, if we can help navigate folks to maybe not have such a painful journey, uh, that's that's definitely why I want folks to listen. So let's talk about that because, you know, starting off into your role of leadership, what were some things that maybe you stumbled on or felt like, you know what, I, I tried this and I will never, ever do that again. <laughs> well, I don't know if either of us want to sit here and recount all of our leadership fails, but I can tell you some of the lessons learned out of those those moments. And as I said, I've been in leadership roles for quite a while. And I think probably the biggest lesson I've learned over time is that you have influence no matter what your role is. It doesn't really matter what the position is, what the title is, what the letters are behind your name or the title underneath your, on your business card underneath your name. It's really just how you're actually leading and what is the influence and the impact you're making in those roles. My doctorate is um, organizational leadership and my focus was on middle management and middle managers and how do they, we learn leadership? We can tell people you need to be able to be a great communicator. You build teams, be a team builder, oh, and have vision. And But how do we learn to do those things? Yes, those are skills that leaders need, but what are the ways that we learn them? And I think a lot of the time we learn those skills by doing, and we learn those skills in those middle management roles. So as I speak to leaders and, and talk to other coach leaders and talk to others who are in more executive leadership positions, I try to say, remember those who are around you who are trying to build these skills as well. And what can they be learning? What? How do you uh, mentor and show them and influence them in those roles? I love it. And you touched on a term, middle management. And I know mm-hmm. for some leaders, like they get all weird with that term of management in a leadership position, especially over schools or districts. So what is it that is so important about middle management positions? I think it's it's funny. I, I think I will say personally, when I was in middle management, I had my own problems with the term because as leaders, we have, oh, we want to be leaders and not managers. And, you know, management is, you know, more about task oriented and not visionary. All of that can be true to some extent, but I'd see management is also about getting the work done. And in fact, my doctorate, in my doctorate, I call them mid-level leaders because I think they are really leaders at those uh, influential letter levels. When you're in those middle positions, um, you're leading those who usually are reporting to you of some sort. You're at, able to lead those people, but you're also reporting to somebody in an executive level position above you. So you're being led. And I think that by nature of that position, it 
provides a level of impact and influence that's kind of circular and is a little different than you would maybe see in some of the higher, more executive positions that have to concentrate on bigger 30,000 foot level leadership. I think it gives you a little bit different picture. And if you have the right attitude and you can develop the skills, you're able to use that picture to be able to be influential at both levels. All right. So learning the how of leadership is extremely important. And mm -hmm. I know, you know, as we're going through these different experiences, we're, we're slowly trying to figure out our position, the roles and responsibilities that go along with that. But a lot of times we just think about leadership of what it is versus the how. So were there some monumental pieces within your journey of like learning the how? I think probably the largest thing, and this came up in research, It's it's been shown in research over and over again, was evident in my own, the value of mentors and other leaders leading you is is enormous. And I think sometimes we get the wrong impression of what that must be, at least for me, speaking for myself, I'm, I was constantly saying, oh, I have to find a mentor. Who is that person? And, you know, the idea that you're going to ask the dean of education or you're going to go ask the CEO to be your mentor can be a little daunting and a little overwhelming. But I think we can look at mentors both sometimes when they don't even know they're being your mentor. And I think sometimes we can observe and watch those who we admire as at how they lead and be in those places, both those who you might have direct connection with. And then sometimes, you know, those who you don't even may not even know personally, like your podcast, you bring on a lot of other leaders that could be mentors and bring out uh, the best in other people who are trying to learn what does that really mean? And what does that look like? I think that's one of the key takeaways. The second would be reflection, because you can have watch how other people do it. But how did it, how does that apply to me? Because you, I think you would agree with me that's that we can only, only lead from an authentic place, it has to be our own, we can't try to be somebody else. Oh, my goodness, yes. And I was shaking my head <laughs> as you were talking, because <laughs> You know, there have been so many folks that I've talked to over the years of, you know, I really want a mentor. I don't know where to look. And maybe they don't have someone on their campus or someone that they know that would take on that responsibility. So for those folks that maybe are in the same place and they don't have a mentor that they know of within their scope, where would you send them? I used to say reading. That's why I hesitated and I paused. I say read, read books. But I also, you can listen to books and you can listen to podcasts now too, sometimes in those lines. But if you can find somebody you think you admire and you say, I, it appears they're doing a good job, I say get to know them better and get to know them, whether it's through memoirs, whether it's through leadership books and their own writings, whether it's through listening to them speak in different areas. I think those can be great ways if you have to look from afar. If you're if you can even connect with someone in your own organization, obviously that's going to be a better personalized uh, relationship. And I think that can be helpful. And it, it doesn't have to be a lifetime commitment. <laughs> it can just be, can I just ask you a few questions? And most, I have found this also to be true, that if you make it within reason, you make an appointment with somebody, regardless of whether they're the CEO, the president, or the next level up from you, they're willing to usually sit down and take a few minutes. If you're genuinely interested in what they're doing, how they've learned how to do it, 
and really want to talk. They're genuinely interested in, in spending a few minutes with you and, and helping you to develop to be the best that you can. No, I love the point, Joy, of it's not a lifetime commitment, because I think that is kind of the idea. And I, I, you probably have done the same thing as gone to coffee with someone and just spent, you know, mm -hmm. 30 to an hour of time just hanging out with them and, and giving them some advice, uh, wherever their journey may lead them. But, you know, it's a one and done. It's right. not something that right. it's years of your time that you're, you know, with them. So I love that point. I want to talk about leadership development, because I think, obviously, you know, with the podcast, we're trying to help aspiring and current leaders enhance their leadership journey. And there are so many pieces out there. I almost kicked myself like, man, I really wish I was coming up into leadership now because there's just so much content out there. And you were mm -hmm. touching on that, right? With books and with podcasts. But what were some strategies that you used that you felt really helped you in your leadership development? There are a couple of things. And I think these are easy that you can do on your own. I, I use a term of coach yourself. I mean, We've all done leadership coaching. We've been in led workshops, things, and those are great. I actually love working with a team of people or individuals. I just think it's a lot of fun because I genuinely like people, but sometimes that's not possible it's, or practical. And there are a lot of things you can do to coach yourself. There are a couple of different tools. One, I think that's actually easy to understand. And I think most people can do pretty pretty well usually is something, a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We think of this in business all the time. When we do it, we scan the environment, what's out there, but we can do a personal SWOT as well and look at our own strengths and weaknesses. Those are internally, if you can, that's that reflection piece I talked about. If we can take a look honestly at ourselves, and sometimes if you have a trusted friend, this can be helpful, but look at what, what am I really good at? Um, I think for leaders, sometimes we're able to say what we're not so good at, but what are we really good at? What are those strengths? What's my superpower? What can I step into um, and build on? And what are we really good at? And then what are those growth areas? We all have them. Um, what are those areas I could get better? And looking at how do I enhance what I'm good at? And how do I maybe learn to grow in the other areas? But then also the opportunities and threats. And I think sometimes when we are in a reflection process or a leadership uh, process reflecting on something that happened, we talk, we think more personally, which is understandably. But if we look at the outside world, the external world, you might have a great skill set, but the opportunity just isn't there for you to exercise it. Um, I ran into this a little bit after I got my doctorate and I thought I have all sorts of ideas and thoughts and plans and this is what I want to tell people and do. And, you know, the world just wasn't opening their arms really wide open and saying, here, come and show us new things. I tried and tried and it just wasn't happening. You can't make things happen if the opportunity isn't there. You might want to need, look for a different opportunity you might need to look somewhere else. But what are those those opportunities that might be staring you in the face and you're missing? Sometimes we're leading. Sometimes we have a great moment and we didn't see it because it wasn't the one we thought we were looking for and we miss it. And so if we can take a look at what are the opportunities out there that might be um, available to us. And then just some of the, when I look at threats, I know that's the business term for SWAT, but from a personal point, it's, could also be some of the things that you're just not willing to or able to do. For instance, I did have opportunities previously, again, using my own journey after getting my doctorate to, but I wasn't willing to move out of state. I, it just, for my family purposes in my life, that wasn't something I was willing to do. So 
the term threats can look a little different in this in a personal SWAT, but you have to, what are those limitations and what are those things that are going to limit you um, externally that uh, from maybe doing some of the things that you thought you wanted to do? This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. I'm going to pivot over to your wonderful book. So from Striving to Thriving, A Practical Guide to Growth in Leadership and Life. So for our listeners, you know, if they were to pick up a copy, what is really the synopsis of the book and how is it going to help them? Great segue, actually, because a lot of those lessons I've learned were, uh, are now within that book. That was, I tell people, this is not the book I thought I wanted to write, but it's the book I needed to write. It is uh, the results of my leadership journey. As I said, I've been doing this for a lot of years, but over the last probably six or seven, things changed. Part of that was that whole I got my doctorate and thought the world was going to open and it was going to look one way and it looked very different. Those striving times when I was trying to make something happen rather than looking at what was really actually happening before me already uh, is, is part of the story of my leadership journey that's covered in that book. And the lessons learned from that, I do give a lot of big takeaways and lessons that I learned that hopefully will help other people. We talk about uh, the idea of comparison. When you're comparing comparing your skill set to somebody else's skill set, really nobody's winning, including you. The what I call is a daydream believer is where you're just so busy looking at what that next level of what you think is going to be that you miss the impact and the influence you have here. And I think there's benefit, as I said, those middle those middle positions have great benefit to building leadership skills and how do we work on those skills in those jobs and in those positions as we're maybe waiting for the next level to come along because sometimes it doesn't sometimes it doesn't I mean I I would say I'm thriving now I love the position I'm in now and doing things that I like to do that fit really well but I think sometimes it doesn't and sometimes that's okay and sometimes you need to learn that your leadership is more about what's inside than it is on the what's outside. And when it says, like I said, on your nameplate. Yeah, that's a hard lesson because I know <laughs> a lot of folks, including myself, like, you know, you set goals for yourself. I'm going to be in this position mm-hmm. for three years, five years, whatnot. And then eight, nine, 10 years, and you're potentially still in that position. And you're like, it's really hard not to look at that next step of where you want to go, especially if you're in that middle level of leadership. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone's listening right now, they're, they feel stuck and every day they're in their office or in the school, they're in the district daydreaming of the next position and how they are longing uh, to be in that spot. You know, how do they work through that to be mentally healthy with their expectations and their goals? What I advise people now, and this is a, this is a conversation I have all the time, whether coaching or working with individuals, we have this often. And I think the idea is to focus on the work and not the title. If you're focusing on what you're doing, how do you impact the people around you? How are you influencing the work of your uh, school, your university, your organization? What is it that you're doing that can bring joy and happiness and peace to those that you're working with and that you're working for yourself. Because I think if we get our eyes off of the next level and start looking at where I have right now, where I am right now, 
number one, your leadership's probably going to improve. It certainly did for me. Your leadership's probably going to improve. And then other people at the next level are noticing what you're doing here. Um, but I think that if we just have to focus on, on not worrying about that, which is hard, it is hard. I'm not saying you can't ever think about it because you will and you want to dream and you need to have goals. But our focus, our day-to-day focus, we have to get in that right mindset to think about the leadership that we're doing right now. I remember I had a, not really a vision board, but where I would like to be in five years, 10 years and things like that. And I remember talking with somebody and I said, no, but I have these goals. I have these dreams. This is where I want to be. And then when I looked at them and the other person I was with actually said, you've already achieved most of those. And I said, it didn't look like the picture in my mind, but yes, it was true. If I had said, was I working as a professor? Yeah, I was. It was an adjunct, not what I thought. Was I working in leadership and teaching people leadership? Every day I was leading workshops all the time. It wasn't the picture I thought. And that's what I said. If you have to get off from the picture that's in your brain, because it just might look a little different, but you're still focused on the work. You may actually be doing the work. And that helps us to step into that and live within that a little bit easier. I want to go back to the reflection process. You gave one strategy for our aspiring and current leaders, but I've done this. I don't know if you have, but when I give a talk somewhere, I'll always ask about the reflection process. Like how much time do you actually put into your reflection? Do you have a process set up for you each week? And to no surprise, very few hands are raised. And it seems that it's like one of these distant things of like, I know I should do that, but life is too busy or fill in the blank as far as the the excuse as to why they don't do it. But you know, is there something that you would advise um, listeners as far as the reflection process, maybe something that's quick and easy for them to kind of insert to create a healthy habit? One of the things that was difficult for me, because we've all heard that for a long time, you got to reflect and write a keep a journal or do all these things. And it's, those are great skills if that fits into your timetable, the way you work and your personality. It never has really worked for me. And all it has done is made me feel bad that I wasn't doing it. <laughs> so here's my own, I, my first point of advice is find something that works for you. It doesn't have to be similar to mentorship. doesn't have to be the a lengthy thing. It can be something really small. I find a lot of my reflection occurs in the car. I live in Orange County, California, and I have a commute, not a long one, but 30 minutes in the car can give you a lot of time. So uh, if I'm listening to uh, a book on tape or a podcast and I think something, it's like pause, stop. And that notes app that you can also use the microphone to while you're driving becomes in real handy. I have a lot of places where I just... um, kind of have jots down ideas, jot down reflections. Same thing after you've been into a meeting and it's it might look like more like bullet points than a lengthy book, but those bullet points can actually be helpful to kind of help you go back into that as you have time to maybe bring some of those thoughts together and to think, oh, what was I really thinking about all that? But I think that's how the reflection process that I think works for me and I've been able to give that advice to others is that it really can look more like bullet points and it can be on the fly and as you go, whatever works for you. Um, I know people who just really like to jot everything down so they can cross them off. And, you know, my notes app is really busy. Um, If you looked at it before the book, it would have not made any sense together because they're all just a bunch of thoughts and ideas. But I think, uh, You just have to find something that works for you and not be burdened by what others think that works for them or what the experts 
we're all experts, say is the best way to do it. Because I don't think that there is a best way. No, I love the fact that you're providing permission for folks to do things in small chunks instead of mm -hmm. doing something grand and, you know, takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Let's talk about actual items. I know we've kind of talked through a lot of stuff today as far as what yes. folks can do in their leadership development, but if there's maybe one thing they can do tomorrow, next week to really enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? I think the best piece of advice I would say is don't miss the moments. Everything matters. First, don't shortchange yourself and the work you're doing now because everything matters. You're all you're still building. And don't miss the moments. I'd say take that time, not a long reflective piece, but just if I'm having this conversation with with a coworker, I'm having this conversation with somebody who's a direct report to me, lean into that and don't miss it for what it could be because it's a big moment both for you and for them. Yeah, don't shortchange yourself. You're, you're doing a lot of mm -hmm. amazing work for those who are listening. I know we have so many fantastic educators out there that are pouring everything into their job and into the lives of children. So first off, thank you. And second, don't sell yourself short. You're doing a wonderful job. So <laughs> let's talk about how folks can connect because I know you're doing so many different things. So you yeah. already talked about it, coaching, you're an author. There's so many components yeah. that you're doing to help leadership yeah. development. So how can people connect with you on social media or on your website? I think there are a couple of different ways. My website is drcaravitas.com and there is a contact card there that you can contact me. If you're interested, I do both. Uh, I do a lot of workshop leadership development consulting in that ways with different organizations, schools and organizations. I also do uh, individual coaching video if you're not in Southern California. <laughs> so I can do both of that and work that in. So drcaravitas.com is probably the easiest way that's through my website. I am on the socials on Instagram as Dr. Caravitas. I have Twitter as just at jcaravitas. And I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I've kind of start, got into develop that and the connections there quite early. And so that I do have quite a bit of LinkedIn followings and LinkedIn people that I connect with. That's been a lot of fun. And that's at Joy Caravitas. So any of the places, Caravitas is a long name and it's not real common. Most of, you'll either find me or my husband out there somewhere and he'll, he'll, he knows where to find me. So <laughs> there are not a lot of us. As always, we'll have those links in the show notes. And then I'll also have a link to... Joy's wonderful book, From Striving to Thriving. Joy, you are just such an inspiration. I, I've just enjoyed our conversation so much, and I, I feel like you've provided so many folks with hope and understanding of where they are right now and the difference that they're making every single day. So thank you so much for those wonderful words and also being a guest on Aspire to Lead. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.